0: If you join an army, the first thing you do is cut off your curly locks. That's it, Oscar. If you go to the army, they're going to...
1: That's why I'm not in the army. Yeah,
0: but I mean, seriously, don't they like hair? Well, they don't want you in the heat of battle, looking in the mirror and making sure your hair's nice, because there are certain (laughs) things that matter when it comes to the heat of battle. And we're soldiers for Christ. And as Napoleon said, an army marches on its stomach. Mm. And if you've got a weak army that doesn't eat, it's not going to get anywhere. I like the verse, go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways why is it feminine yeah because <laughs> yeah, women are more studious often than men men are lazy often and so we need to discipline ourselves and so many people are, that you're a christian yeah i love the lord reading the bible every day yeah. and they say i try to mm. and i like to say do you try to eat your food every day and they don't try to eat their food they eat their food why because it's prioritized you don't try and eat your food and you shouldn't try to read god's word you discipline yourself to read it daily. And I'm not saying read Leviticus before you get out of bed, but just meditate on the words of Jesus. Mm. Chew them over. Absorb them into your spirit. Let them become part of you to energize you throughout that day.
2: Ray comfort. You played a soldier and had the perma part in your head. To prove it (laughs) You remember that, Ray? That was one of the most embarrassing things in my life Uh, Talk about a flathead To me it was the most intriguing thing No, it was embarrassing But beyond embarrassing, Ray, there are certain things in life you look at and you say How can that be humanly Possible. Yeah. A, a permapart that yeah. no matter what you did to it would yeah. not go away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we were filming Militant was it Militant called it Militant. Evangelist. Oh. Oh. Evangelism. That, that was
2: one? that was seriously the the funnest episode we ever filmed.
0: And Kirk and I were in tanks and we, we had, had explosions, guns, explosions. We had
2: pyrotechnics.
0: So we're filming into the night and and it was about two AM in the morning and we decided we'd filmed us with their helmets on for about Two hours or three hours, so we took our helmets off, and my hair was flat. It was just insane. Everyone's trying to bring life back to it to get it, it to go out and it would not, would Seriously. not come back.
2: We needed gorilla glue or something.
0: Yeah, it was really
3: weird. Ray, how much yeah. money have you spent on haircuts?
0: Oh, quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I haven't spent anything for the last fifty years on haircuts because my wife's always from me, save really? yeah, me. Saved that she Yeah, she saved us hundreds of thousands Saves of on. dollars compared to what you have to how pay much now you charge? She's just <laughs> such a
2: <high laughs> make meals for her And it keeps her happy Mark, you still cut your own hair?
3: No, I don't have time That, that makes, makes so much sense back, I did. Get the money no. back
2: from the bike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Oscar needs a haircut, period Always, Always. and forever Yeah. What I happened mean, to you, I Oscar? Mean, your hair has evolved over time here you came in. You had this nice,
1: clean-cut do. Do you not like it now? Uh, Go ahead, I, <laughs> embarrass me in front of everybody, in front of our new friend here. I despise <laughs> it.
2: What do you do for your hair care? You get it. You, do you ever cut
1: it? Uh, well, first I I perm it, mm. and then I pamper it. Yeah, and then I curl it, Richard, and then I put it in a bowl. Sounds like Richard Simmons. Yeah,
0: yeah. Style <laughs> to me.
2: Speaking of tumbleweed. <laughs> oh,
0: speaking of tumbleweeds, I was out at a church, and I think Hemet. And they are all tumbleweeds behind the church. So I went out to see if I could do something with tumbleweeds. Ever felt a tumbleweed? Yeah, uh, spiky. Oh,
2: they're horrible. They're
0: horrible. Yeah. I mean, talk about the Genesis curse. There's nothing you can... I thought we could squeeze them into a pillow and make them nice. And, there must be something they could be used for, but no. I didn't
2: mean to... That's why I was laughing. You're we here with tumbleweeds. So. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tumbleweeds are bizarro stuff. But they're—I mean—but again, a design of God's creation. They are dispersing seeds as they
1: roll. Uh, weeds? Oh, do they really? More tumbleweeds. <laughs> I thought they were just there for gunfights.
3: <laughs> yeah, to
2: show. Could you yeah. buy a tumbleweed as a prop? I wonder. <laughs> I'm sure, they I'm sure have you it. You can. So, Ray, there was a point to all of that. You played a soldier, Ray. If you were conscripted to serve as a soldier, could you do it? Yes, I'd become a chaplain. No Yes No. would no, become the chaplain a fighting soldier I couldn't
0: really shoot
1: anyone I'd feel terrible That's that's what Yeah what, You've got, what you've what I got to shoot
0: the guy Before he shoots you But I'd. Say, Ray would yeah. shoot
1: him And run over and be like Do you think you're a good person
2: <laughs> <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> Quick Quick I'd start at his foot And that's work my exactly, way up <laughs> that's,
0: my, that's, that's what I'd do Start at the foot Move the way up And say Move out of the way
2: please Oh Ray uh, what, Ray You would you would be kind of like The Hogan's hero <laughs> Kind of guy Why did you love That sitcom so much Oh Because of
0: Schultz And stuff like that I don't know how A sitcom With that theme After the war Could have become a hit But it did Oh Is was that a black huge. and white It was black and white And then went color Hogan's oh. Heroes you, you, you have heard of Hogan's Heroes I honestly have never Heard of Hogan's you Heroes You are kidding It's iconic.
2: Wow Monster.
0: Boy a little oh, got nothing. First Is that the, the guy with the dresser, Or was that MASH No that's MASH That was horrible It was yeah. crude And that but guy that, was
2: Lebanese I think too
0: yeah, Hogan's Heroes was pretty wholesome. It was fun. Yeah, interesting.
2: I mean, it was basically it was these guys that were duping silly Nazis that, the <laughs> and they were <laughs> pretending they were spies, right, or something. They were just
0: they had everything going inside the camp. I mean, everything. It was yeah. just, it, it they, was were just from, they were prisoners. They were
2: prisoners. They were, but they had like they were spying on them and yeah. You know it, was, I mean? it, it doesn't sound funny at all, but it was. Yeah.
0: Speaking of that, I just watched a video that someone sent me this morning of a. Golden Labrador, very friendly A golden going up, doodle? Yeah, no, it was a golden Labrador Going wow. up to a guy who was getting a bike out of a garage He was actually stealing it <laughs> And the whole thing, the golden Labrador Is so friendly to the thief The thief bends <laughs> so down hilarious. and pats Stop. him And he's wagging his tail, rolling over And then the thief says, hey, where's your master? You should tell him not, not to leave his
2: garage door
0: open
1: and he, <laughs> No way And <he> leaves <laughs> with like a, a
0: security camera? Yeah, it's all a security camera The dog's just wagging his tail oh, I gotta I see that kidding, Yeah, man, it was great. funny
2: you know, I saw a delightful video today. I saw someone get tackled by a police officer who's trying to steal their second television set in the same day from a target. <laughs> like they <laughs> went back into the same target? The
3: same day, yeah. That they went, stole one some went
2: back courage. in. And, and so they call the police and they tackle them. I mean, in our day and age, that's like refreshing.
3: Yeah.
1: And the guy's like,
2: let me go. No, I can't go to jail. He
1: sounds weird. What a weird voice has got. Do you remember walking out of. Uh... <laughs> lakewood mall and that dude was wrestling the the security guard was wrestling that oh guy? yeah
3: and i i went to
1: court you did that yeah they, oh i didn't
3: know that yeah oh. where i i went in there and i was i helped the guy maybe we we're talking about a different scenario yeah, You filmed that, the Mark. guy oh, i don't remember you helping him yeah i got the guy in a headlock <laughs> no way <Stop laughs> yeah so it's a different it. scenario That's cerritos mall Wait, yeah you didn't get him in a headlock i did i got him in a headlock
1: First off, this is not a headlock. This is holding a bowl of soup.
3: (laughs) No, I got him in a headlock. The police came, and the security was just standing around saying, you know, uh, sorry, we can't do anything. We can't help. The police was so livid, so upset at security not not helping out. And so the guy wanted to get inside of a getaway car, and that getaway car had hit another car and took off motorcycle, took after him. But uh, I ended up uh, going to court uh, to uh, testify uh, against uh, the guy. And right before I testified... They called it all off. I don't know what happened. So, Mark, is that separate from the time you filmed? There was some time...
2: Yeah, that's the one I I was talking about. I
1: filmed... And I so got it was the, the same incident. I'm always and the, trying to the, film. Like, the wife was in the car, like, get in the car, hurry. And the dude was like holding on to him. Yeah, and didn't speak in English. I don't know that part. <laughs>
3: yes.
0: So like, you were filming while you were headlocking? Yes. How many arms do you got?
3: Well, the thing was, <laughs> you I did not. You kept it going while you were. I was tr- but I didn't hit record. Oh, that's like me. No. Yeah, I do that sort thing. Or I hit it twice or something oh. happened. Hmm. You that would have been interesting. Siri I wrecked my that. shirt that day. Wow,
0: wow. Yeah. Um, I know told you guys about in Australia where a guy walked into a court, he had a white jacket on while court was in session, and he put a ladder against the wall. Reached up and grabbed the clock and stole it, and no one stopped him because was wearing a white
2: jacket. <laughs> seriously,
0: seriously, it's a white coat. You can do anything. You go to a hospital. Operate, Ray, was that you? No, you can go to a hospital and operate on people if you're wearing a white coat and <laughs> prove it. <laughs> well,
2: wait a minute. Right? What was it called? Catch me if you can. That's basically. Oh yeah, you know. that's a
1: true story. Bit, by yeah, the way. no, I
2: know. He was in high school, I think, and he went and became a doctor. He full yeah. like the head of all the. A these lawyer doctors. and a doctor and yeah. a pilot. But Ray, that's the kind of thing. Yeah, that's yes. the kind of thing you would do, isn't that? What you, I would not steal a coat. <laughs> no, wear a white coat. No, no. no. When you want it. Speaking of jackets and coats, when you want to get that jacket. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. I wasn't
0: a Christian then. Yeah. But I did. I saw a jacket on sale at a at a store, and there were all these people on the outside, and I knew it was going to open at nine o'clock. So I had a suit on. I was carrying a briefcase, <laughs> and I just said to the whole crowd, "Uh, oh, move, move away, please. It's nine o'clock. Move away." And they all parted <laughs> like the Red Sea. I, they opened the door because I thought I was staff, and I got the jacket. It was on <laughs> that's in the window. it was yeah. Yesterday, right? No, no, I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian.
2: <laughs> so you, right oh. So you? All right, friends. We have a comment. This is from Ejdhdljw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> what it says. Ejdhdljw. What if he nailed it? What if that's actually his name? Miraculous, amazing. On the last podcast, I think it was amazing. Now it's amazing. This podcast is amazing. It's truly helped me grow in faith and made me laugh too. You guys should cover the books of Enoch, Book of Enoch, and try and figure out if they're true or not. <laughs> true or not, Enoch. Oh, the book of Enoch. Enoch. Is Enoch true Enoch. or not? Quoted Second in the Maccabees. Book of Jude, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, our dear friend. I will not try to repeat your name, but there is another name, I will say, and it's our friend Caitlin, Woo-hoo! who's here with us in the studio! Let's give her a big hand! Caitlin, welcome! Round of applause. She uh, all was... the way here from Wahahoohoo, Wahoohoo, Washington, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, yeah. You can, actually she, pull you can them say out. it. Say it. I- Walla, walla 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 walla. Sounds like a fish. <laughs> Caitlin, welcome. We're so glad to have you. So blessed to have you here. In she the was uh
1: in the bookstore, and we walked in and was like, "Hey, do you want to come and sit in on a recording?" And here she is. Yeah, and she said no, the, but we forced her to. She's heard the podcast before we yeah. came. She came anyway. But yeah. something more important
2: <laughs> than, than all of that is is what Caitlin said about what her favorite ministry is and what her second. Favorite ministry is Answers in Genesis. So we're in first place today. We like that. What are you doing, Ray Comfort?
1: Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non believer that crosses your path? That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck.
0: <laughs> oh, well, let me pour up a, a little louder. to say that
2: again, Caitlin. We got proof. We got <laughs> proof. Say that again. Yes, this is
1: my favorite organization, and second to it is Answers
2: Susan Gems. <laughs> <it was> <laughs> Caitlin, your voice made it onto the Living Waters podcast. You're a legend now forever. <laughs> All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the Starter Kit. Boy, that was a buildup for nothing. <laughs> You're going to blow out your lungs or something <laughs> these the days. Hopefully. kit. <laughs> the starter kit, friends. 350 gospel tracks in there. We got the million-dollar bill, the Ten Commandments coin, the comic Are You a Good Person, small version, and 101 of the World's Funniest One-Liners.
1: If you've never handed out track before in your life, the starter kit is a great place to start mm. because you get a variety of packs, some of our more popular ones. And for everybody, the reason why we make so many different kinds of tracks is because... Everyone feels comfortable handing out a different kind of track, and you should be comfortable with whatever track you have in your pocket. This is a great way of trying the out. And we've the
0: got the starter kit. I was thinking of creating the finisher kit, but I don't know what I put <laughs> it up. Speaking of that, Ray, do you have any gospel <laughs> tracks on you? Of course. You prove it me, You owe me a thousand Prove uh, uh, it Always Wow
3: Prove it
2: Prove it, prove it. Mm-hmm.
3: That's money That's money Prove, That's money. Money.
2: prove, it. Money. prove it, it. it What <laughs> else <laughs> <laughs> Take it off him So I could ask Yeah him it's now because
0: I said, I've said i said for many years I'll give a thousand dollars To anyone who finds me In public without gospel tracks But people don't realize I've got John three sixteen 16 Tattered on my chest With a sinner's
2: prayer Underneath it
1: <laughs> <laughs> just,
0: just in case We yeah. can't see
1: it Behind all the fur though
2: That's right <laughs> Right But I, I sense a, a real Lack of confidence in yourself. Why isn't it a hundred thousand? If someone catches you, you're in? right. I should take <laughs> it out. I should take it out. Uh, all right, friends. Enough of the silliness. More silliness today. We are talking about how to avoid being biblically <laughs> Ill-, 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 <laughs> Ill-, 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 Ill ill sick.
0: No, hang on. What's the Light word? racy. <laughs> he hasn't even Ill- said the word. Ill- yet.
2: Illiterate, illiterate, <laughs> illiterate.
3: <laughs> that's what it should be. A sick fool, a, illiterate.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to avoid the dangers of biblical illiteracy? Now, I gotta admit, this was Oscar's idea.
1: Hmm.
2: Oscar, what are we talking about huh.
1: today? <laughs> I don't remember making this idea. You know, yeah, I was thinking was about you. I was thinking about the importance of this, and uh, I'm gonna equate it to your your nutrition. Right, like if you if you spend five days a week weightlifting and another three or four days a week, uh, doing cardio running because you want to build muscle, get in shape, but you're still stuffing your face with chili cheese dogs. Oh, uh, stop it! No, don't go. Actually, me. love chili cheese. Hey, dogs. wait,
3: wait, wait! Did you actually go? We talked about it on the last podcast. I, I didn't. I didn't go yesterday or the other day because uh, was it yesterday? Because I had work to do. Mm, yeah. Good. That's good, man. Yeah.
1: But listen, uh. If you want to build muscle, get in shape, you, you don't just work out. You also have to look at your dietary habits, your nutrition. Fiber, you need fiber to digest food. You need protein to build muscle. You need good, healthy fats for nourishment. See, the thing is, the Bible says something similar about our relationship with God's Word. No amount of church attendance, of prayer, of podcasting, of worship music will make up for the malnourishment that comes from neglecting your Bibles. And unfortunately, we do have an epidemic within the church. Only thirty percent who attend church on a regular basis claim they read their Bible on a daily basis. Ooh,
3: you which, know, wait a minute, this—I want you to finish. But this is exactly. Listen to James Montgomery Boyce's quote here, and then continue. He says, "Inerrancy is not the most critical issue facing the church today. The most serious issue, I believe, is the Bible's sufficiency." That's good. Mm. Right, We we have what we need, but then we avoid it. Mm -hmm. We're not reading it. We're discarding it. And we play games all day.
1: And so many people, I think, have the felt need of this spiritual malnourishment. Because so many Christians that I hear from and talk to are like, man, I just want the joy of my salvation back. I want to be on fire for the Lord. I want to feel and understand his presence in my life. And often we'll be like, man, how, how much time, what is your, your time reading God's word look like to you? And it's little to none. Yeah. And so that if you have that felt need, where you're like, you just feel disconnected from the grace of God, is it possible that you're, that you're experiencing the malnourishment of biblical illiteracy? Yeah, you know,
3: and I tell kids all the time when I uh, speak at youth group camps and things of that nature, I say, listen, uh, you guys are on a high right now think about what you've been doing. You've been fellowshipping in the Word, you've been encouraging each other, you've been listening to good, solid teaching, and you've been uh, worshiping the Lord through uh, music. When you come down the camp, right, because it's not how high you can jump, but how straight you can walk when your feet hit the ground again, do the same things. Now, you're still going to go to school, you're still going to go to work, but surround yourself with good teaching. with good worship, with good fellowship. When you do that, you're gonna have the accountability and you're gonna grow in your knowledge because we are changed continually from precept upon precept. That's good. That's what you need to do to grow. That's great.
2: You know, the thing that I, I think should astound us as Christians is the disconnect between what is professed and what is lived out in connection with scripture i mean you ask any christian what do you think of the bible oh i love the bible it's god's word you believe it's god's word absolutely uh you believe that like the lord actually gave it to us for a purpose to live our lives this is from god's love letter i mean they'll go on and on how often do you read it (laughs) oh i've been struggling lately brother (laughs) brother you know and uh ray that's a problem i mean seriously like if we believe this is god's word and, and, and this is a sad truth. And this is not for condemnation, friends. I hope this is an encouragement to like make us say, wait a minute. I mean, sometimes we need big boy talk. You know, sometimes we need a little kick in the pants to say, what am I doing here? If you profess to know and love the Lord and you profess to love His Word and haven't even read it all, and you've been a believer for decades, there's a problem there.
0: A yeah, huge problem. Um, there's no excuse. We've got access to God's Word. And as I've said a billion times, no Bible, no breakfast, no read, no feed. It's a matter of discipline. That's all it is. If you join an army, the first thing you do is cut off your curly locks. That's it, Oscar. If you go to the army, they're going to...
1: That's why I'm not in the army. Yeah,
0: but I mean, seriously, don't they like hair? Well, they don't want you in the heat of battle looking in the mirror and making sure your hair's nice because there are certain (laughs) things that matter... When it comes to the heat of battle And we're soldiers for Christ And as Napoleon said An army marches on its stomach mm. And if you've got a weak army That doesn't eat It's not going to get anywhere I like the verse Go to the ant You sluggard, And consider her ways Why mm. is it feminine? Yeah Because <laughs> yeah, women are more studious often Than men Men are lazy often And so we need to discipline ourselves And so many people are, That you're a Christian Yeah I love the Lord Reading the Bible Every day yeah. And they say I try to And I like to say, do you try to eat your food every day? And they don't try to eat their food. They eat their food. Why? Because it's prioritized. You don't try and eat your food and you shouldn't try to read God's word. You discipline yourself to read it daily. And I'm not saying read Leviticus before you get out of bed, but just meditate on the words of Jesus. Mm. Chew them over, absorb them into your spirit. Let them become part of you to energize you throughout that day. And and this is not a boast because I thought every Christian did this. I... I've read the Bible every day without fail for 52 years. Never a day have I gone without reading the word and I want to do it to the day I die. And every Christian should be like that because the Bible is God's love letter to humanity. And so often if we ignore our instruction books, whatever you're trying to put together doesn't work. And you won't put things together if you don't put God's word first. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who meditates on the law of God both day and night. And it says, He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, strong and firm. His leaf won't wither, you'll retain vibrance and freshness. You'll bring forth fruit in season love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And whatever you do, will prosper. That's not like the prosperity gospel. It means your marriage will prosper and your mm. vocation and your evangelistic endeavors if you put God's, for, God's word first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other junk will be added. That's a little paraphrase,
2: <laughs> Just a little. Or as
3: Martin Luther worded it, he said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me, mm. and it has hands. It lays a hold of me. And that oh, gets good.
1: a little bit closer to, to literacy because one, biblical literacy starts with frequency. And that's what we're kind of talking about right now. The frequency of reading our Bibles. Absolutely. If you're not reading it daily, if you're not reading it often, there's an issue, but there's also wrong ways of reading the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can read the Bible in the wrong kind of ways for everyday of your life. And that's where biblical literacy comes into play. It's not just about the frequency of your Bible reading, it's about the also the quality of your Bible reading. Have you come to understand the word of God? Do you know what it's like to meditate on the word of God? Do you know what the word of God is? So how do we
3: approach the word of God? If we if we're going to not become illiterate, how do we approach it to study it, to be prepared To be prepped to allow to change us. What do we do?
2: Well, I was gonna say, yeah, you, you have a couple things going on. First, there's the avoidance of scripture. And obviously when we say biblical literacy, we're not meaning that someone literally cannot read. It's that they will not read. First you have to consume scripture in order to do the proper things with it that will make you literate in it. And and I think that's, that's the big key. It's, it's first getting yourself in the habit and let, let's camp here for, for just a moment and, and then we'll, we'll break it down, right? What are the things we need to know? How do we understand scripture? How do we interpret it? What are the different genres within scripture and so forth? But yeah, first and foremost, I think there's an intimidation on the part of a lot of Christians uh, when it comes to scripture, Uh, especially newer believers, like, what is this thing? Where do I start? I mean, I've shared it multiple times as, as, as an unbeliever. I, I didn't even know how to use the Bible when, when there were references given. I'm like, what in the world is that, right? So there's that intimidation factor. What do you think, what do you guys think causes that?
3: I, before I became a Christian, when I was Catholic, you know, I grew up and I was told that I cannot interpret it, that I cannot understand it, that I need somebody else mm. to tell me what I am reading. And that's still uh, what is being propagated today in a lot of different cults, and even within the Catholic Church today. You need us to help you to understand
1: what you're reading. That's good. I think, to go back to your question, Easy, uh, what is it that holds people back You have to realize that God's word is set apart. It is unique and different than anything else you will ever experience in your entire life. Most people that are gonna be listening to this podcast are readers, actually. But they read 5, 10, 15 second increments on Instagram and TikTok. They read, you know, thousands of words every day, every week, but they read them in small increments. God's word is different though. While everything else we consume, God's word has the power to consume us. God's word speaks to us. So it is unique and it is different. You're reading first and foremost an ancient text, which you are going to need to read. If you want to understand it through its depth and length, you're going to need to read it Differently than you would read a book that was written three, five, ten, fifteen years ago, first and foremost. And you also have to understand that you develop a relationship with God's word. Because God's word is so unique and different, we bring with us sin attributes as we read God's word. And the more we saturate ourselves in the word of God, the more those things start to fall away and the more we begin to delight in the word of God. I've said it before on this podcast, delighting. In the Word of God takes time. It actually takes an acquired taste because we have to shed off the old self. We have to we have to allow God's Word to renew our minds. And so I've equated it to taste buds, right? Like coffee for some people, wine. Like when I drink coffee, I know we joke often, but hang on here. When I drink wa- coffee, I can taste different flavors in there. I can taste fruits and acidity. I can taste chocolate. And to people who have only ever drank in coffee with creamer, That freedom to taste the goodness that's in coffee is not available to them. That comes with time of drinking black coffee. In that same way, the beauty and the nourishment and the goodness that comes with God's word sometimes takes time. And so if you're a new believer, if you're someone that's always struggled, but you're in and out of God's word in quick seconds, you're not delighting in it. My encouragement to you is to take your time. Mm. Allow God's Word to change your spiritual taste buds so that you can begin to taste the notes of God's goodness.
0: Yeah, uh, um, I've got a lesson from dogs. My dogs, each one that I've had, it's like it's got no taste buds in its mouth. The taste buds are in the stomach. It just attacks that food that's cost us a lot of money and tastes good and got a lot of goodness in it. And it's gone in like four seconds. Mm-hmm. I think, what's wrong with you? How what does you do what it? Did it sound like yeah. again? Perfect. Like that. And one, and one more time. No, no. That's all you're getting. <laughs> that's all you're getting. Just, anyway, that's how we approach God's word. I'm going to read three chapters right now. Just consume it. No. Take your time like you're saying. Chew it over. Meditate on it. Um. And the other thing is, God's Word is called a rock. And when you get a rock, you break the rock open and you'll find the gold mm. within the rock. And that's what God's Word is like. And sometimes I'll stay on a chapter for literally weeks, just going over and over the chapter. That's good. And, and after a while you go, oh, I never saw that Word. Yeah. And that Word is just like a gem. Like David says, I, rejo- I rejoice at your Word as one who finds great treasure. Yeah. Someone once said, and it's a wonderful saying, this book will keep me from sin and sin will keep me from this book. Mm. And it's a great thing to put in the front of your Bible because if you get into sin, any type of sin, sexual imagination, you won't want to open your Bible because the, the Bible will read you and it will, yeah. it will it will accuse you. You'll feel guilty when you read it instead mm-hmm. of delighting in God's law.
2: It's so true. You know, what you guys are saying has resonated with believers for, for generations. Once you know the God of Scripture, and then you begin to, to really dive deep into the scriptures that that God gave, it just transforms everything. And, and it, it enriches your heart in ways that, that are beyond description. I think Jonathan Edward captured it well. He said, I had then and at other times the greatest delight in the holy scriptures mm-hmm. of any book whatsoever. Oftentimes in reading it, every word seemed to touch my heart. I felt a harmony between something in my heart and those sweet and powerful words. I seemed often to see so much light exhibited by every sentence and such a refreshing food communicated that I could not get along in reading, often dwelling long on one sentence to see the wonders contained
1: in it, and yet almost every sentence seemed to be full of wonders. You know, let wow. me that's really good. Let me try to summarize what we're saying here. Cause I think if you listen closely, what we're saying is there's there's several ways in which you can read the Bible the wrong way. There's of course not reading it at all, but there's also reading it as though it's a magic eight ball, where you just kind of open it up and you point your finger and it's like, okay, what has God got for me today? Let me get this one verse that better be good. Yeah. That's that's treating your Bible like a magic eight ball. That is not how you should read your Bible. Another way you shouldn't read your Bible is if, if I'm listening closely, is is thinking that it's all about me right? Like, how is this going to serve me right now? But the scriptures are not about me. It's about God. It's about the God who is reconciling the world to himself. And so when I spend time in God's word, it's like spending time in a relationship with someone. I am there to learn about him, not not to be fulfilled for my own self. And then thirdly, often we treat the Bible, we expect the Bible to be like, and I'm borrowing Jen Wilkins' words here, like a debit card, We want to go to God's word and be like, all right, give me what I need today. But she says that we need to treat God's word like a savings account. Every time we spend time in God's word, we are investing. And it's building up a type of spiritual savings account that will later pay off in fruits and dividends. It is not a debit card that you get something out of it right away. Sometimes it does that. But that's not the intention every time we read the Bible. It is a savings account, something that would bear fruit later on. Yeah,
3: You know, I love the scripture concerning that third point that you just brought up there, Oscar, in uh, John chapter 5. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. I just like the way it's worded out. Should I turn it down? And
0: obviously you're going to read it louder.
3: I'll <laughs> probably read it a little bit louder. So in John <laughs> chapter 5, verse 39, it says, "'You search and keep on searching and examining the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me, and still you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life.'" What happens is we approach the Word of God as a textbook to just learn about life, but in reality, the Word of God points back to God. Yeah. Right? Let Him who glories glory in this that He knows me, that He understands me. When we approach the word of God, we want to do it in such a way to where we where we learn about him, where we know him intimately and passionately. It says that God knows us, and that way that word knows is the same word that Adam knew his wife and conceived a child. It speaks of intimacy. When we approach the word of God, God wants to be intimate in a way where he can search us and try us and see if there be any wicked way inside of us and lead us in the way everlasting. Mm. When we approach the word of God, I want to do it in such a way, Lord, show me great and marvelous things about you that I know not of and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. No, that's really good. I love the verse in 2 Timothy 3, 14
2: to 15, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is uh-huh. in Christ Jesus. And that, isn't that awesome? I mean, the mm. thought of knowing the holy scriptures from childhood, and he references his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois, and and, and just growing up in the Word, being being rooted in the faith. Mm. And so, my encouragement to to us uh, who are listening. Who are parents is to have a multi generational vision mm. this concept of yes god's word is important in the development of my own spiritual depth but but it goes beyond that. there are ripple effects you know my kids are watching me, mm. one of my favorite things when when my kids were growing up was was doing my devotions in the living room and I remember especially julia she she'd you know, get up. She was like, I think maybe three or four and she'd come and she'd sit on my lap and, and I'd be reading the word or I'd be reading like morning and evening by Spurgeon. And she would just like, we do this thing called big words, you know, and I'd point out words to her and what I was reading. And I, that was so, so sweet that my my children were seeing their father get into God's word. And, and seek after the Lord, our kids watch us. By contrast, they can watch us too, get in the flesh and not live out God's word, uh, as my kids have seen at times, You know, being a fleshly, sinful man, uh, and, and, and that can be a contradiction. So there has to be a connection between God's word transforming our own life, thinking about the ripple effects into the lives of successive generations, but then connecting what we're doing and taking the word with living out the word. Uh, and, and having that testimony, uh, like Timothy, and then the next verses, Second Timothy again, three sixteen to seventeen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We oftentimes groan about the prosperity preachers uh, and profiting off God's Word. There is a good profiting off of God's Word. God wants us to profit from His Word. It's
3: profitable, and it's profitable in all of these ways. In fact, somebody once said, if you want knowledge, go to school, but if you want wisdom... Get on your knees with God's Word.
1: Mm, Amen. So we've talked about frequency. Um, We've talked about how not to read God's Word. But what about growing in biblical literacy? What are practical ways our listeners can grow in their biblical literacy of understanding what the Bible actually
2: says? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, a key component, and I remember first learning of this when I was just a couple years old in the Lord, when I was at a Christian university in one of my uh, Christian thought classes, I believe, and that is that there are different genres within scripture. And, and that's important to understand. There, there are different types of literature within scripture. And uh, you know, this is a good one, uh, kind of a good list given by Mel Lawrence on um, Bible Gateway. He said, there's first narrative, second poetry, third wisdom, fourth, prophecy, fifth, gospels, sixth, epistles, and then seventh, uh, apocalypse. And the, these are different types of texts Gen- within Scripture. Yeah, genres within Scripture. And so it's important to understand those. You have to be careful. Like, for example, you can drift into uh, maybe the wisdom literature. Uh, you might get into Proverbs or Job or Ecclesiastes, and you'll read stuff in there. For example, there are things in Ecclesiastes that don't align with what is doctrinally right, but, but they, are, they, they are things that someone is pondering or thinking or saying. They're things in Job that we'll see maybe his his comforter saying that don't align, align Scripture. And with.
0: God rebuked them for that. Exactly. So you could grab those verses that they said and think this is truth. And, and sometimes error.
2: that's done. People yeah. will, will use mm-hmm. some, th- some of those as proof texts out of context, right, because they don't understand the genre to say, look at this. Or we've talked about it before. You could take, again, the wisdom literature like Proverbs, and you could read a verse like, bring up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he won't depart from it. And you'll take that as a promise, but well, in yeah, reality, a it's a truism,
1: right? Yeah, and Ecclesiastes so, is also wisdom literature. I think, so practically, why is that also important? important? Um, I mean, you think about it, when you understand the genre, so first and foremost, the right way of reading God's Word is to understand that it is God's story about reconciling the world to himself. That's the big narrative. It's a narrative in creation, fall, redemption, and reconciliation. In that, you've got your, uh, as you pointed out, your different genres, literary genres. Why is that important? Because I read poetry different than I read history. I understand that poetry often speaks in metaphors even though it has true things to say. And I read history different than I read poetry. I right. read the the prophecy different than I read history. And so for you to be able to understand the context of the literary genre as you're reading it, and for that matter, the context of this, of where it fits in redemptive history, right? Like what covenant is happening in that period of time to help you see the grand narrative in the story. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. I want to get into hermeneutics
2: for, for a little bit, but... Herman who? Herman <laughs> Herman, who. Our good buddy Todd Friel will get you set straight on that. But, but Ray, Hebrews 4.12, "...for the mm-hmm. word of God is a living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow." And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Speak to that. The,
0: yeah, I often use that of verse mind. when I'm a little bit discouraged because some atheist says, I'm not listening to anything you're saying and I'm not even going to think about it. And I say to him, too late. The word of God's quick and powerful. It's gone right between the marrow of your bones, oh, and that. you can't fight it. And uh, I, I just thinking what Mark said the word of God points back to God. God's word shapes our view of his character and his will, and without scriptural we'll veer into the deception of idolatry. Hmm. That's what happens within the Catholic Church because of its ignorance of God's Word. They don't esteem God's Word as they should, and they get a wrong view of God's character and nature, and thus you get works righteousness fed into their pews. Without the knowledge of the Word, you you lack knowledge of God and His will. Mm. And like uh, Oscar was saying about the whole plan of redemption, once we understand that, the reason Jesus came was because God was not willing that any should perish, and when you understand God's word and get a grip of it, as we should, you align yourself with that will. We shouldn't be willing that any perish, but mm. all come to repentance. And I don't think anything unifies a local church greater than setting its eyes on the lost. Yeah. You want a church to be unified and not argue, and uh, have one mind, one spirit, they should strive together for the faith of the gospel.
2: Amen. Yeah, you know, Mark, I think a big problem today in the church is that, that God's word is not given the supremacy that it should have uh, in the worship of God's people, and uh, you know Ephesians six seventeen makes it clear that uh, as it's talking about the armor of God, that, this, that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and that sword is not often wielded appropriately within churches, either because God's Word is
3: given very little time, or it's not exposited appropriately. And so Yeah, and when you don't do that, right, so you can either exegete a text or you can isegete a text. Isegeting a text means you are going to put into the text what you want it to say and what you think it may say without any proper preparation or study. When you exegete a text, you're going to extract from the text that which the original author intended for the original audience. Right. And to do that, we have to study uh, culture and customs and tradition and uh, languages of the time. Yeah. I had a dinner with my pastor, Philip, last night, our pastor, and he was uh, talking about the way the church should be, that he has to minimally labor in the Word 20 hours a week opening up commentaries and lexicons and helps and look at what other people that have gone before him mm. have said concerning the text. Yeah. And if you don't do that, what are you left with? All right? You're left with some speaker who can connect with an audience and tell neat little stories that can make people feel good about themselves. Mm. Yeah. Nobody needs that. You are giving poison yeah. to your people if you do not labor in the word of God before you give them the Word of God.
1: Well, and now you're leaning into what tools and resources can help with biblical literacy. And you mentioned commentaries. I think Bible study Bibles and commentaries are a huge help. Uh, I would argue that pastors often make poor commentators. Pastors just don't have the time, capacity, or discipline to understand um, both the nuances of theology and God's Word. And so to me, scholars and theologians, when they write commentaries, they bring some meat and potatoes to the table, right? Uh, And so most often people rely on YouTube, Google searches to try to understand what the Bible says and what it means or to formulate their opinion on a subject. And the problem with that is that reading... It's been proven that it increases your critical thinking, your empathy, your reflection, your understanding of the thing that you're trying to understand. In other words, if you're not studying God's word and all you're doing is relying on sermons or on YouTube videos or Google searches or AI, you're simply just not going to understand God's word. Commentaries are great. One of the things that commentaries do is it's people way smarter than us come before us. And often if you're reading an old commentary, they're bringing different perspectives outside of our own cultural narrative to the text, which helps us understand the text well. For those of us, there's some commentaries that are thick and heavy and hard to read, but the Good Book Company is an organization, a company that has done a really good job of making approachable commentaries for the everyday lay Christian that wants to start to get into that. And so what do you do? You open God's word. Let's say you're going to read through Romans. You buy a $15, $20 approachable commentary. You put it right next to God's Word. And as you read the passage, you read the commentary and allow it to help you to understand the backstory of what's happening.
2: Yeah. And friends, we don't want you to also be intimidated. We talked about intimidation of God's Word, but intimidated by what we're discussing so far. I mean, hermeneutics in and of itself is a word that makes people kind of step back and say, whoa, what in the world? I don't need that. I just need to know God's word. Don't make the... the mistake of those who say, oh, I, I just need to know God and not know, you know, things about God. How can you know God and not know things about Him? Did, the we, theological define, statement. did we define hermeneutics or just use the word? Well, yeah, I'm about to define it. So, so Yeah, Ray. Yeah. yeah. So when we talk about hermeneutics, we're talking about the, the, the science of proper biblical interpretation. So in other words, you're, you're reading scripture, but you're, you're, you're mining out the meaning of it so that you understand it, because without knowing the the significance and the meaning, then you're gonna apply it in a way that could be even harmful. And and we've seen a lot of people do that. And so we don't have time, we're almost out of time uh, already on this episode, but Daniel Aiken uh, lists some great principles of hermeneutics. I'll just share a few of them. And this, again, friends, is to whet your appetite so that you can go deeper and you can research. We mentioned our friend Todd Friel. He has a a great audio called uh, Herman Who?, And that'll give you the basics. So you could check that out. You can go to to wretched.org and find that there. But uh, here are a few principles. The Bible is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God. That's a foundation. So you have to begin with understanding the nature of Scripture. It's inspired. It was given by the Lord, breathed by the Holy Spirit. It's infallible and inerrant uh, in all of its content. Another one is the primary goal of hermeneutics is the discovery of the author's intended meaning. That's so important. You're, you're trying to get to the meaning of, of what the author intended. It's not this open sort of thing. Oh, well, it, this is what it means to me is something we, even, we often hear people say. It doesn't matter what it means to you. What matters is what it means. And, and God has connected his word with the intention of, of the author. Uh, the author's intended meaning is conveyed through the different layers of context Context is huge. So you have to understand the the context of, of what's being discussed. The author's intended meaning in every biblical text is always discovered within its own unique context. So you have layers of context, you have the unique context that's connected to it, and so on. So again, we don't have time, but those are just a few, again, to whet your appetite and get you excited about that. Ray, you mentioned earlier when certain portions of scripture hit you or strike you in a certain way. And the whole kind of strength connected to that is through meditation, right?
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a hard a hard thing to put in, into words, but it just a, a sense of excitement comes. It's kind of like being in love.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, when
0: you look at your wife, it's just right. it gives great instant joy to your heart. When you understand Scripture and rejoice at God's Word as one who finds great treasure, understand that this is the most precious gift God's given to man outside the cross, it just thrills your heart when you begin to understand it. I, right. I was just thinking... You can see biblical illiteracy reflected in the shallow lyrics in contemporary uh, worship music. Yep. Mm, so true. Just and and you go back to those old hymns from two or three hundred years ago. And can it be that I should gain interest in the Savior's blood? Just powerful, powerful lyrics based in Scripture. Uh, it, it becomes um, worship becomes a ministry to your to your spirit and soul as yeah. you worship.
1: Wow, so good. Let me go back to something you said, Easy, because uh, I think it's really important. And I don't want to pass over it, which is that. Some people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't need to know these things. One of the common phrases is like, I don't need to know theology. Just give me Jesus. That in and of itself is a theological statement. Yeah. But, but as you just pointed out, theology is simply... Who's you when they're listening? I'm sorry? When as listening. you, Ray Comfort, just pointed out, <laughs> theology is knowing God. If you're in a relationship with somebody, as you pointed out as well, if I'm in a relationship with my wife, to love her is to know her. And as the years move on, I get to know her more and more and more. And so theology, reading, biblical literacy is about knowing your Savior. It's like
0: getting a text from your wife with a little heart.
1: That little heart? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I love the way John Piper has an illustration, uh, actually has a story about when he was in school, a teacher had like a goldfish in, in a bowl, and he asks the students, walk up to the bowl and make an observation and write it down. And so the first time they all walked up to the bowl, it was like, all right, what observations? Uh, there was a goldfish in it. Like, okay, go back. Because all there was was a goldfish in it, right? There was no, nothing else. So he's like, okay, go back and make more observations about the goldfish. They went back, and it was like, okay, it's got two eyes, it's got fins, and it's blue. And he's like, okay, go back and make more observations. And they start to go back and he starts to say, you, you know, the observations for round three or four is like, ah, there's dirt particles in the water, the, the colors of the scales uh, change based off the lighting. And the point that Piper makes is that the more we slow down just on one text, as an example, mm. the more it begins to become illuminated to us. We start to mine those single texts for all of the beauty and goodness, but if we just pass by, all we're going to the sea is a fish. Hmm. Yeah.
2: And if Love the it.
0: goldfish is blue, it's dead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know,
2: it's important for us to recognize that there are different things we do in connection with scripture. I mean, we read it, obviously, we got to be there. We got to read it first, like we talked about initially. We memorize it, and that's a lost discipline. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you want to hide God's word in your heart. Psalm 119 talks about that, to keep your way pure, to not sin against the Lord. Uh, we study it, we open up, like we talked about commentaries, you get word helps. Uh, there are uh, concordances, lexicons. lexicons that help you to understand the language. And it's so beautiful to, to, to examine certain words and, and plumb the depths of what they really meant and the, the richness of the original language. It's, it's super powerful. We get to meditate on it? Yeah, we meditate on it. And it's like chewing the cud where it gets integrated into your life. And then we obey it. Mm. We're not merely hearers of the word. Uh, like scripture talks about in James, but doers also, like, like Jesus said, if we know it and don't do it, we like, we're like a man who built his house on the sand and the storms will come and it'll crash. But Mark, I want you to finish us off on the richness of sharing God's word. There's something special about taking the word that we have read, memorized, studied, meditated on, obeyed,
3: and now we can share it with others, having connected with it. People do not months. need our, our opinions, What they need is the Word of God. As you guys were quoting earlier with Hebrews 4.12, it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword that, listen, it is going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So the more we can get the Word of God in us, there will be ample opportunity to get it out of us. Remember, somebody once said that if we do not meditate on God's Word as truth, we're going to believe lies are true. What people need and what they're hungering for, whether they realize it or not, is God's word. That's what they need. If they're a non believer on the way to hell, they need to have that continual reminder that they will face a holy God on Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. If they are on their way to heaven, What they need is God's word because it sanctifies them. It sets them apart. It prepares them for every good work. It reminds them of who they are and who God is. It stamps eternity on their eyelids that whether they're awake or whether they're asleep, God is real and we have to give an answer to Him that He is a very present help in time of need. What people need is God's word. So you get it in you. There'll be ample opportunity to get it out of you. And when that opportunity comes, jump at it to be able to share it.
2: Amen. And Ray, God's Word and evangelism. Oftentimes in your videos, you, you'll just give people Scripture after Scripture. And how important is that integrating God's Word into the proclamation of the gospel?
0: Because my illustrations, my anecdotes, and my thoughts and ideas don't do what God's word does. Amen. It doesn't. God's word doesn't return void. That's the promise. Yeah. So thoroughly feed Scripture into what you're saying, and you don't need to quote the verse like Jack what's his name that you used to ben- call ben- it? Vanipi. <laughs> you, you don't, great that he did that. It was very, very interesting. But you don't need to quote chatter and verse when you're talking to ungodly people because it means nothing to them and the original wasn't even in chapters and verses so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So just get God's word when you're witnessing to people and you can just say, oh, you know, this is a this is a Bible verse I want to share with you, and it goes right to the heart.
2: Yeah, let the sword of the Spirit do, do its work in yes. their heart. Amen. Well, friends, there you have it. I hope you've been encouraged. I've been stirred more than ever for God's Word this week by what we discussed. Don't forget the starter kit. Make sure to get it along with the Evidence Study Bible, the Living Waters podcast mug, and all other good things at livingwaters.com. Com- oh, oh, wow. wow. Really? At, oh, sorry. At livingwaters.com.
1: Dot com
2: oh. <laughs> you're getting more creative, you <laughs> yeah and friends remember podcast at livingwaters.com with your thoughts comments ideas for podcast topics and uh, also remember to rate and give us your comments thank you for joining us we'll see you here next time on the living waters podcast the ultimate cure for insomnia <laughs>
1: Winner, winner, chicken dinner.
2: I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from. But friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline. California, Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina, Andrea from Anderson, Indiana, Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, Lowell from Yakima, Washington, Don from Charleston, Illinois, John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, mate. And Dave from Willin Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.